Good morning, Aldersgate. We're going to be a little light this service because we do have the children's pageant, the matinee and final performance at the 11 o'clock service. Um, so if you want to stick around and watch that if you didn't catch it last night, or you can go home and watch it online. It'll be live streamed. Watch the kids um, proclaim the gospel of Christ. If you would, please stand for our first song, Your Name, Christmas Version. with us 
We are glad that you're here at Aldersgate United Methodist Church. It's a beautiful day. Did you notice a difference in the set up here? The uh, children's pageant was a magical moment last evening. It was delightful. 53 children uh, lined the front and uh, proud parents and grandparents. And if you'd like to see it, stick around. They're going to do it again at the 11 o'clock service today. And so we're delighted. If you're here for the first time, a special welcome to you. My name is Pastor Gary Brooks, and along with Pastors Daniel and Maria, uh, we are delighted that you are here. Just a couple of announcements. There's some Advent devotional booklets that are available to you at the Welcome Center. If you would like to have a devotional time with your family, uh, feel free to pick one up. There are free there's not much that's left that's free in this world. These are free. 
And so you can pick those up on the way. And uh, please take note in your bulletin about the opportunities for Christmas that are upcoming. Um, and uh, one that is uh, not in your bulletin, but next Sunday, the Wichita Chamber Chorale will be here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, we want you to feel invited to participate at any and all services this season. I do need to mention that uh, Glenda McAvoy, one of our longtime members, passed away this week. The service in her honor will be this Wednesday at 11 o'clock here in the sanctuary. All right. Now you're already standing. It's time to just turn and move around, make chaos, and greet one another in Christian love. If you don't know someone, ask their name and tell them yours. prophet Isaiah reminded us that there is work to be done. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In this season when peace might feel fragile, we know that there is much to be done. There are relationships to mend, brokenness to heal, and preparations to be made for the coming of our Lord. Wherever God is, healing is found. But we need to open the door to let God's peace into our lives. On this second Sunday of Advent, we light one bright candle for hope. And one bright candle for peace. Gracious God, as we wait in the expectation for the Prince of Peace, may the light of these candles serve as a sign of our faith that hope and peace are never far from us. Shine into our darkness to clear a path for peace and healing, that we might be ready for you to come and dwell near to us. Amen. Now let us sing the Advent song, number 2090, In the Faith We Sing. Filled with wonder at the sight of 
as we prepare to receive the offering this morning, I want to let you know that for the month of December, we are doing a mini missions collection. Uh, and what, what we're going to be doing is collecting canned food for the new Covenant Food Pantry. Uh, December is our month uh, that we are assigned and commit to support them. And so what we have uh, are these little cards on a small green table just outside here. And what we are asking you to do is to consider taking one or two cards um, and then bring whatever's on the card back with you next Sunday, December 11th. Uh, we're just collecting cans. Uh, the mission team is going to provide hams and some other things to fill out the bags that they're going to be uh, putting together. Uh, so just for example here, what I have grabbed, uh, this card has six cans of sloppy joe sauce, so not too expensive. And then this one here is six cans of canned ravioli or pasta with meatballs. Now I know exactly where that is because I ate a lot of that in college, so I can easily find this in the grocery store. Uh, so it'll just be a few dollars here and there, but we want to continue doing what we can to support the good work of New Covenant um, as uh, they provide food for those who might not uh, be able to make ends meet this Christmas season. So I hope you'll consider uh, grabbing a card and bringing it back uh, next Sunday, the 11th, uh, where they need to pack the bags by the 16th, and so we need them back next week. So that's a good thing for you to know about. And with that invitation and encouragement, I would invite the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's offering. Christmas Eve in Bethlehem. 
Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie to down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall pull its hand on the adler's den. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jeshi shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from Luke chapter 1. Please stand in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. Now, at the 8 o'clock service today, I was halfway through this, and I realized what I was reading from the liturgist book was not from Luke chapter 1. It was the teachings of Jesus. <laughs> um, so I thought, uh, that would be awfully hard for you, Gary, to preach a sermon on a text that was not yours that you prepared on. So we got it fixed, though, for this service. So this is the correct gospel from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 
26 to verse 38. Would you listen with me for the word of God? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary then said to the angel, But how can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A reading from the wrong gospel lesson. When that happened this morning, it was kind of funny. It reminded me, I've been in the ministry 47 years, and it reminded me of one time in a church where uh, the uh, liturgist had gotten up and read from one of the letters of Paul. And as he was reading, he realized it was the wrong reading. But he kept reading. He thought he would finish. And uh, then when he finished, he said, uh, thus ends the reading from the wrong epistle. <laughs> <clears throat> And anyway, I don't think the minister adjusted to that, but uh, I could. I've got many sermons up the sleeve. We could have done it, uh, but it, it's important to have read the one we did because uh, this is a, a story about an angel scaring the bejeebies out of a young maiden in the backwater village of Nazareth in about 6 or 4 B.C., uh, it's quite a story. Um, have any of you had an angel appear to you? Um, if you did, don't you imagine it would knock the socks off of you? I would think that it would. In fact, uh, when angels appeared to people in the Bible, it usually was a terrifying experience. Um, the, the gospel says that Mary was terrified. The, uh, the shepherds in the fields keeping their watch uh, the, over flocks uh, when the angels appeared to them, the Bible says they were terrified. And each time an angel appears, usually um, the recipient is terrified. 
Mary not only had the angel to be afraid of, but the consequence of the angel's message. Now, the majority uh, inhabitants of Nazareth today, about 20,000 population, are Muslim. But back in 6, 4 BC, when this angel appeared, most of them were Jewish. And at that time, the best estimates was that the population was about 400 people. And the name Nazareth came from the uh, word Nitzrat, as it was pronounced back then, which meant branch. And so there had come to be a belief that at some point, God, out of the remnant of the former Israel and Judah, would bring forth a shoot from that stump where the tree had been cut. And uh, Nazareth meant branch. And this indicated the place where the good news would first be shared prophetically, pointing to Jesus. The village sat on the top of a hill from which you could see all of the surrounding territory. And for about 9,000 years, this village was a place that people inhabited. Now, um, there are a lot of Christians in that area. There's several churches in uh, Nazareth, and uh, several of them are competing to be the, uh, the place where Mary received the angel. Come to our church. This is the place of the Annunciation. Well, <clears throat> they can squabble over that all they want. Nonetheless, when the angel appeared to Mary, it frightened her. It frightened her. It was not only an angel, it was the archangel Gabriel, one of the highest ranking angels in the heavenly court. This is the same angel that appeared to Zechariah and produced uh, of the prophecy that, that he would bear a son, John, in his old age, and it scared Zechariah as well. But each time an angel appeared to uh, someone, there also was an accompanying message, fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, in this case, which shall be for all people. The Bible also says that perfect love casts out fear. And each time a recipient experienced one of the angels that we read about, they not only were frightened, but they were calmed and they were given a peace as the good news was revealed to them. And when the, uh, the vision was over, then the recipients generally were resolved and their faith was more firm because of the visitation. Now, I question how Mary must have felt because this wasn't just the announcement that she would have a baby. It was a whole sack full of other kinds of things. Like, who's going to believe me? I have no husband yet. Who's going to believe me that I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant and, and it's by the Holy Spirit? I'll go home and I'll tell my parents and they'll go, yeah, right. Tell me something we don't know. And Joseph will likely disown me. My family will be disgraced. Virgin birth? No, nobody's going to believe that. And the world that Jesus was born into had already 
had a dim view of women, they weren't going to believe her story unless it was corroborated by a, a male who obviously hadn't been present when the angel Gabriel had appeared. Women were excluded from participation in synagogue worship. They were forbidden to enter the temple beyond the court of the women. Talking to a woman in public was restricted. Women had no rights in matters of divorce, legal legitimacy, holding title to property. Women were literally the property of their husbands and they could be divorced on a word from her husband. The wife could not do the same. In the morning Jewish prayers, the men would pray, God, I thank you that I am not a woman. It was horrible, just plain horrible. So when the angel appeared to Mary, it wasn't just in a vacuum that she was being told that she would bear a child. It would be that she would bear a child in the context of a world that would not be favorable to her bearing a child of this nature. So the fear of Mary was real, and it was multiplied by her cultural reality. The treatment of women was awful. In so many ways, it's still horrible. In the gals, it's still horrible. Equality is still far away on so many fronts. And so many powerful men think they can tell women how to live their lives and what to do with their bodies, what they can and can't do. I could go off on a long rant right here, couldn't I? And maybe sometime I should. But here is the good news. That the baby that she would birth would be a reformer who would turn the tables. Everything would be different. And Mary, a handmaiden, a lowly woman, a poor woman, was the first to know of the coming of the Savior. Women were treated by Jesus as people of value and people of divine worth. And women were the first to see the resurrection. Guys, take note here. Women whom the world has often put down and put in their place were the first to experience the coming of the Christ. And we should recognize that they are not last. They are first. Such is the nature of the gospel. In that so much of the gospel puts the forwards as backwards and the backwards as forwards. It's not a gospel that makes sense in human terms, but it's a gospel that makes sense in terms of what God was offering to the world. Listen to this, the gospel that takes ashes and turns it back into a living fire. It's a gospel that takes rubble and rebuilds it. It's a gospel of the last shall be first, of condemnation that moves to forgiveness, of the poor becoming rich, of the broken who are healed, of one mile becoming two miles, of sinner coming saint, of lost to found, of legalistic to grace-filled, of death to life, from ordinary to extraordinary, from abundance to sacrifice, from clutter to simplicity, and from fear to peace and contentment and joy. And the Advent season is just like that. 
The backwards is the forwards. We start with King Jesus. He didn't come into Jerusalem with armies to conquer and to pillage and to destroy and to take over. No. He came as a baby in diapers. That's why Herod, the king, was cowering in his palace. It was because of this king born in abject poverty who lie in a manger. It's not a queen that gives birth, but a peasant nobody girl. It's not a king, but a simple carpenter for a father. And it was a world in which so many ways did not have room for anything but the self-absorbed, lying, inward-focused attention that so many have been and are fixated on. And the gospel lesson is, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news. Good news. Do not be afraid. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us to not have fear. Fear is one of our primary emotions. Our brains are hardwired for self-protection, for preparing for trauma, and for reacting to danger. God doesn't say, turn off your brain. God doesn't want us to turn into some kind of emotionless zombie. The truth is that God can take our fear and transform it into courage and to hope, which is what he did for Mary as she prepared to bring the child into the world that would transform our existence. Even Joseph, he was uh, afraid of, of this news that Mary had told him. Can you imagine the conversation that they had had? Joseph, I'm going to have a baby, and it's not yours. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be too happy with that. Oh, well, it's, it's okay. It's not another guy. It's from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. This will be an embarrassment to, to me and to my honor and to my family, to the whole community. And in Matthew, we learn that Joseph, he still loved Mary, but he designed to divorce her quietly so as hopefully not to put her to shame and not to put himself at shame. He was afraid of what people thought. The fear was real. It could affect his livelihood. He could be stained. There could be a, a, a parchment that placed up on, on, on the carpenter's shop. Don't shop here. A sinner owns this business. And he would be without livelihood. He had much to lose. And yet an angel appeared to him as only God can do. And his mind was changed. And he took Mary to be his wife. And he did the loyal and the right thing at the right time. God helped Mary in the midst of her fear. God helped Joseph in the midst of his fear. And God helped a world in the midst of its darkness and fear. The truth is God wants to help us. We each have stuff we have to deal with tomorrow, the coming days. 
And for some, it's not going to be pretty. And for some, we fear what the future holds for us or doesn't hold for us. God seeks to transform that into a message of hope and courage. Psalm 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they protect me. Isaiah 41, 10. Be not afraid, for I am with you. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth Give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. There is plenty to fear. And Mary had a lot to fear that night as she received the news. Yet, here's my takeaway from this passage. Is that if a young, impoverished, teenage girl could take the message that she was given and let it transform her life and the existence of her family, her community, and the world, then surely I can face the troubles that have come my way. That's my takeaway. God is with us. God will walk with us. He will talk with us. He will call us by name and will give us a worthiness that is beyond comparison. And God will give us the ability to see beyond our fear to the possibilities that can unfold because of his presence in this world. That's what Christmas is all about. Happy Advent to all of you. May you so be encouraged by the angelic message. Amen. As we respond to the word of God today, we move into a time of prayer. Uh, Pastor Maria is actually going to pray for us, but because I have the wireless mic, I'm going to roam the aisles. It is the custom here at the 930 service to lift up the prayers of the people. And we do this because we believe that it is powerful and meaningful to lift up names and prayers in community before God. Uh, Now, sometimes people ask me, uh, Pastor, why does it matter that we lift up these names? I don't even know some of these people. I don't know what they're going through. Surely, I don't know how to pray for them or what I should pray for. And, And what I say to that sometimes is that it is 
powerful to lift these names up. And even if we don't know the person, and even if we don't know what to pray for, it is good for us to remember that prayer is not about us knowing exactly the right words. And this is a good thing. But prayer sometimes is about simply lifting up somebody's name and somebody's face before God and asking that God would turn and shine the light of his face upon them. To hold them in the presence and light of God's love, and sometimes this is enough. So as we move into a time of prayer, I invite you, find a posture that feels both holy and comfortable, and hear these names. And then as I walk the aisles, if there is a name or a prayer that you would like to lift up before the light of God's love, I would encourage you to do so. Our uh, response to the prayers that are lifted up, as always, will be, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. So here are these names that we lift up today. We pray for Keith Hall, for Sylvia Marsall, Lisa Glover, Aaron McMillan, Judy Luckert, Ruth Ann Ahrens, as her and her family grieves the death of her husband, Nick. We pray for Betty Jett and all the family of Ken Schnur as they grieve his loss. For Larry Will, Sandy Atherton, Jennifer Diebler and her family as they grieve the death of her mother, Sherry, who passed away in Florida. For Bill Stilwell and Jim and Susie Carter in the death of their sister-in-law, Sherry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For whom else shall we lift up today? Matthew Marin, as he continues to heal from cancer, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For the family of Ralph Sainer, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Tony Cruz and his family, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. who are experiencing a holiday, perhaps the first holiday, without a dear loved one. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 
gracious and loving God, we come here today, a people searching for your peace, a peace that only you can offer. You are a God who's full of surprises. You uplift unwed teenage mothers Instead of coming in with an army on a chariot, you came in a manger, a helpless baby. God, open our eyes for when you show up to us in unexpected ways. Open our ears to hear your callings. Open our hearts to the cries of people who are suffering, to people who are oppressed. Open our eyes to the ways that we have hurt others. Open our mouths to ask for forgiveness. God, this Christmas season, is a time of light and joy, but it can also be very difficult, especially for those of us who aren't quite there in terms of joy. Be with us, wrap your arms around us. Remind us however we're feeling is valid. We don't need to force ourselves to feel a different way, Lord because you see us and love us and accept us exactly as we are. As we go from this place today, allow us to be your peace in this community and in this world. May we share your light with others. May we be people of kindness, people of love, people of equity. And now, as your children, let us pray the prayer that Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you would, please stand as we sing our last song of this service. Light of the world, sing hallelujah. Of the world from the beginning. 
Worship team, uh, thank you for uh, adapting to the setting. And if you would like to see the pageant, it will be starting here in just a little while. Feel free to stick around uh, for whatever time you would like to. And either way, go from this place in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that happiness is a journey and not a destination. Go, bear witness to the truth of God's word until everyone is saved. Practice responsible citizenship until everyone is free. Go paint the world beautiful with the brushstrokes of your faithful service. And then go work like you don't need the money. Study like you don't need the grades. Dance like no one is watching. And love like you've never been hurt. And may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be your everlasting gift. Amen. Amen.